love being something outside of myself that I need to go and find through another person or place or activity to something, an energy that is absolutely within me that I've got to tap into in my own heart and through my own soul. And the more that I can do that through the practice of meditation, the more content I become as a person, regardless of what's happening around me and regardless of the relationships that I'm in. And and I'm able to feel love in so many more expanded ways. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, we so much appreciate you being here, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of our True Form Life community. Now, today I'm bringing on another wonderful guest. This is Jenny Lee, and she's the author of Breathing Love, Meditation in Action. Now, Jenny Lee's an expert in the field of yoga therapy for the past 20 years. She's helped hundreds of clients conquer anxiety, depression, grief, and stress using the wisdom of classical yoga and meditation. There's so many tips and takeaways here that Jenny Lee offers. I highly recommend you picking up that book. And I think that when it comes to breathing love, as you heard in the intro there, Jenny believes in love to a very deep degree and we we really dive deep in here and talk about all kinds of different ways to find that self-love i think in a part that we're all looking for so i know you're going to enjoy this one sit back and enjoy we got all that coming up this is exploring mind and body naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host drew tadia Welcome to the show, Jenny. Hi, Drew. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much. Now, today we're talking about your book called Breathing Love, Meditation in Action. Now, before we get into that, I always give our guests a chance to resonate with their audience a bit so we can get to know you more. Jenny, how did you get into yoga? What are you doing now? Give us some insights about what's going on with you. Well, I've been uh, into yoga for over 20 years. I started in a really physical practice in the Los Angeles area. And um, and then over time, it's evolved into a more meditative practice. Uh, although I feel like all aspects of yoga are valuable and part of the, the true path. Um, and I live in Hawaii now. So what I do on a daily basis is I work individually with clients in a process called yoga therapy. Um, which brings some of my spiritual psychology background as well as the yoga training and meditation training that I have all into the picture to help people to work on the challenges that they're facing in life in mind, body, and spirit. And um, I feel very blessed to, to do that work. I get to interact with a diverse range of people and ages and um, life stories. And I also write books. And so we're talking today about my second book, Breathing Love. But um, my first book was called True Yoga and is more about the that full path, the eight limb path of yoga and how to apply it to our daily lives. So yeah, this is um, what I do. I'm, I'm, I have a family, my husband and my son and bunnies and kitties and <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of things yeah. going on. Okay. So then you moved out to Hawaii to continue to practice yoga and work on your practice. 
Yeah, I actually, there was lots of places in between Pasadena and Hawaii, um, including some places in Europe and some places on the East Coast and Northern California. I've lived all over, down in the South. Um, so have have communities of friends and followers in lots of different places. But um, Hawaii's home now, and it feels like a great place to be. Very cool. It seems like that'd be natural or normal for a yogi to kind of travel around and <laughs> and be in different areas before you find a place where you could call home. Well, and ultimately, I think home is wherever we are, and home is as we come into a true awareness of our our spiritual nature and um, recognize that the world is our home and all all people are our family, in my opinion. And that's a big message in the, the book that we're talking about today is love as the unifying energy of, of the world and how, how important it is for us to recognize that we are one big human family and how can we come into a greater synergy with one another. <laughs> Where did the idea come from to write Breathing Love? Gosh, I don't can't pinpoint it to one thing, but I think several several things. One is the um, that every client I work with, and certainly myself included, as I went through my own therapeutic process in my 30s and 40s, um, is that we're all seeking love. You know, it's that it's a universal need. It's something that everyone understands to some degree and wants. And so we were in constant search of it in different ways. And yet a lot of the ways that we search for it on the outside really ultimately never bring fulfillment. And this is why people just transition through relationship after relationship and, and really never find satisfaction. And so um, in seeing these patterns with, again, my clients and myself over the years, I started to really inquire into the, the deeper nature of love through the yogic teachings. And um, when I say the yogic teachings, two main texts are my inspiration. One are the um, Yoga Sutras, which are a classic text of yogic principles of philosophy and practice. And um, a more current uh, text are the writings of the master Paramahansa Yogananda who wrote Autobiography of a Yogi. And he has been one of my greatest inspirations in the understanding of what true authentic love is and what that energy of love is that is within each one of us and has helped me shift that paradigm of love being something outside of myself that I need to go and find through another person or place or activity to something, an energy that is absolutely within me that I've got to tap into in my own heart and through my own soul. And the more that I can do that through the practice of meditation, the more content I become as a person, regardless of what's happening around me and regardless of the relationships that I'm in. And, and I'm able to feel love in so many more expanded ways. It feels like, I mean, when it comes to, to love, you mentioned that finding it in different areas, it seems like we're continually searching for something and nothing's fulfilling. Like it's not cars, it's not houses, it's not more money in the bank account. Is it, do you feel like it's that love that we're, we're missing or haven't really found? I think what we're missing is the recognition that we are love. And so as long as we're separating ourselves from it in some way and thinking that it exists in, 
in that next acquisition or that next creative project or that next relationship, then we're, we're really missing the connection inside. And so it's, I know this is a hard leap for some people to make, but, um, what I've found through my meditation practice is that I, as I'm able to get my mind quiet through techniques of visualization and breath work and, um, focus, that what lies beneath the chatter of all the things that I may want to do in my outer life is this deep resonance of peace. And right beneath that is this incredible ocean of love. And the moments that I've been able to tap that have been absolute bliss. And so I know that this energy lives within me and that it's, that really the the quest is to tap that more often and not run around outwardly looking for things that will stimulate a momentary feeling of it. And how can you tap that more often? Deeper and deeper meditation. So the subtitle of the book, Meditation in Action, is a twofold um, indicator of what I'm bringing forward in the book. So meditation as a sitting practice to me is the foundation of how we tap that more often, because unless I'm able to get quiet on a daily basis and move inward to my true nature, my soul nature, I'm not, I'm not going to feel that, that deep well of love from which I can draw the inspiration to then interact in my human relationships. But that's the foundation. Then the second half of it, the in action. So meditation in action to me, it's not enough to feel that on my meditation cushion because then it's like I'm selfishly experiencing the bliss. I want to take that out into the world. And so it enables me to be in my daily interactions and my relationships in such a different way. And I, I can only describe this, um, you know, it's one of those things that until you feel it, you can't totally understand it. So I can describe it. But all I can do is encourage people to keep approaching the practice of meditation. Because it's difficult at first, and it takes time to sink into that deep stillness. But there's such rewards that await. And I would never have known these had I not started this uh, a very disciplined practice of meditation eight years ago. And it was through the encouragement of the teachings of Yogananda that I did that. So the meditation in action, I know you said it was a bit challenging to explain, but when you're doing it as opposed to just, you know, sitting stationary in meditation state, when you're, how are you, can you explain a bit more about how you're meditating in action throughout your day-to-day life or day-to-day activities? Yeah. So there's kind of two parts to it. One is that I, I'm practicing holding the awareness that, um, that I've attained in the meditation, the seated meditation practice. So if I experience some peace when I'm sitting in my meditation practice in the morning, then I'm more apt during my day. Let's say if, um, my husband (laughs) and I have a little riff about something, I'm more apt to, um, to choose to remain in the peace that is within my heart and to breathe calmly and to try to see him as the soul that he is going through his own human struggles. And so to approach that moment from a place of peace, um, rather than a place of, I need to be right. I need to fight for my point, you know, get in there and do the dance. Um, 
The second way is if I'm out just in the general world and, or I'm say reading the news or interacting with someone on the, on the road that is not being really pleasant, I'm just, um, practicing bringing the qualities that I have cultivated in, in my seated meditation to that interaction. Again, it's sort of, sort of the same thing. I, I'm just bringing the practice out into daily interaction. So practice being, um, non-attached to certain results, like being right in a, in a conflict, um, practicing, approaching any communication from the standpoint of compassion and peace, um, practice looking at people as the souls that they are rather than the human egos that they're presenting. Not easy practices. Is <laughs> <laughs> it can like it's continual? I'd imagine like continually learning and and trying and practicing. It's it's ongoing. Would that be correct? Ongoing, absolutely, moment by moment, day by day. And I will be the first to admit that there are moments that I succeed and moments that I fail. And uh, <laughs> but um, I know in the in just in doing the practice, I feel happier. And, and that's what we're all seeking, right? We're all seeking peace and happiness. And so ultimately, the practice of breathing love, the practice of meditation and action, all this stuff that I talk about in the book, is to feel better. I mean, we, when, we, when we find things that help us feel better, we want to share them. And so I know that these practices have helped me feel happier in my life. Um, feel more content in whatever I'm doing and feel more loving in my relationships. Tell me about a- attachment. You mentioned it here earlier. I think a lot of times we like grasp onto something and like white knuckled, not letting go. And then <laughs> when we finally figure out that it's okay to let go, then more doors open up and we're, we're happier. Um, you mentioned it earlier that I just thought maybe you could yeah. shine some light on it. Oh, it's one of my favorite things to to ponder and talk about. So non-attachment in the yogic teachings um, would fall under the category of a word called santosha, or uh, which re- sort of recognizes that we're we're meant to practice contentment or even mindedness. Um, so the opposites of attachment, like you're saying, that white knuckle, I've got to have it this way, and we don't feel very content when we're doing that. Of course, when we do feel content, we're feeling peaceful. So how do we practice this concept of non-attachment? Um, it is the how. The how is really just reminding ourselves to, to shift into neutral. I call it shifting into neutral. So um, as human beings, we have the natural tendency to uh, be in the dualities of life. I like this. I don't like that. I want this. I don't want that. Um, this is good. That is bad. Uh, and so we go back and forth between all these dualities and we either attach to the things that we like and think are good or we're trying to push away the things that we don't like and that we think are bad. And this this seesaw keeps us very unstable mentally. And so the practice of even-mindedness, contentment, non-attachment, the, all these words indicate coming into the middle of the seesaw, that point of balance where there's less movement between the two dualities. And um, that is a place of peace. And so the how is really just reminding ourselves, get off, either end of the seesaw, keep moving back to the middle, keep shifting back to neutral. And um, 
there's lots of ways of, uh, uh, more tangible ways of practicing that particular teaching actually in my first book, true yoga. So both of my books have a lot of, uh, exercises at the end of each chapter, which ground the practices that we're talking about in kind of daily life terms. So when it comes to non-attachment, I suppose it, it helps when it's not one or the other, like yes or no, black and white, like there's other things in there. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be, or, or I suppose if you could remain neutral as much as possible, then there's not so much attachment to an end result. Yeah. And I think the simplest way of practicing that on a, um, to start with is just like, look at the things, the little things that you might, um, want on a daily basis. Like, Oh, I want my coffee with this amount of cream. And then the person doesn't pour it, you know, at the Starbucks line doesn't make it exactly right. Are you going to make a fuss about it and make them redo it? Or are you just going to go, okay, well, has a little less cream today. That's fine. I can let it go and practice non-attachment to having my coffee exactly how I want it today. You know, it's like that's a little step in the direction, but it's that as we practice it with those little things, then we get better at practicing it with the big things. How often do you practice meditation? Every day. And when you say we we mentioned here earlier the two different types, the seated and then kind of meditation in action, are you practicing both forms every day? Every day. Every day. And every day. With your clients or some of our listeners, they might want to get into meditation. Maybe they are meditation, meditationing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. I like that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I, I will quote you when I use it. <laughs> when you're going through meditation on, or sorry, maybe some of our listeners might want to meditate on a regular basis. How do they get started or where can we begin this journey? Yeah, there are so many resources out there and so many different forms of meditation. And I think it's important to um, clarify your intention first. So I have a little online course on Udemy that is a a thing about developing a sustainable meditation practice. Um, so that would certainly be a cheap way to begin. It kind of outlines my philosophy on how to begin meditation. Um, it's only 10 bucks or something, but uh Anyway, there's there's so many resources, but to me, the, the thing I always tell people to start is clarify your intention for why you want to start meditation, because that will determine kind of the form and, and the resources that you're going to need to look up. So if you're really just wanting to kind of de-stress and calm your mind and become a little bit more mindful in your day, then... Um, that's kind of a, a simple practice you could do. You could put on a guided meditation that might help to start or some, there's lots of apps these days that help people take those mindful moments. Um, if you're wanting to go on the more spiritual end of the spectrum, what I call the deep end of practice, where you're seeking an awareness of something that's greater than yourself and how you can experience that more tangibly, then I would suggest looking into the teachings of a truly enlightened master like um, Paramahansa Yogananda or Amma. Amma is a a saint who's alive today who has a meditation practice, um, that's available online. And, um, so, but really looking to the, the ones who have truly achieved that experience of, um, awakening. And we can find more details about these individuals. I suppose spelling might be an issue for some of us. Like sure. Myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, um, I'm happy to provide those resources to you and then you could put them up 
maybe on the clip of our, our program. Um, AMMA is very simple. It's A-M-M-A dot org. Uh, and you can find her meditation techniques in on her website. Um, I highly recommend seeing her in person if you can, because she's one of the few, I would say, enlightened masters that's in the body today. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda uh, is easy to find as well. So um, his he has a very famous book, Autobiography of a Yogi. It's been considered a spiritual classic on the t- bestseller list of Amazon and everything for decades and decades now. Um, his organization is called the Self-Realization Fellowship. And so if you were to just Google Self-Realization Fellowship, um, you'll find his teachings and his meditation practices also available and both of those are they they're very minimal or no cost in terms of just mailing um mailing costs how do you feel about ram das beautiful wonderful teacher wonderful wonderful teacher he was i some a friend gave me this audio tape one time and he was kind of the first person that like he really resonated with me his story and the way he shared his teachings i was like oh my gosh i want to i don't know i want to yeah and you can you can (laughs) still study with him he um i think he teaches on maui and i know he does retreats now and again um not sure if he's still doing them on a yearly basis but yeah you're there's there's still possibility of seeing him really i had no idea i just have these old tapes of him and i (laughs) <laughs> oh, you got to Google him and get over there and see him. He's he's getting older now, so I'm not sure how long he'll be teaching publicly, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he still is. Oh, very cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about guided meditation and well, non-guided meditation. So for me, I'm I'm a person that and and I'd imagine there's a number of us out there that struggle with meditation on a consistent basis. So I'll meditate for a few weeks or a few months and then just stop. I don't know. I just make make excuses or life gets in the way. And then I start again. And then I, I've just recently started doing guided meditation for the first time. And it's been a few years when I've been meditating at different levels. Um, but I feel like, and I hope this isn't insulting to some of our listeners or yourself, but I feel like guided meditation is almost cheating. <laughs> <laughs> because you're you know someone's walking you through it instead of you sitting there quieting your mind maybe chanting a bit how do you how do you feel about that um i wouldn't say it's cheating i would say that it's a different level of meditation so as there is different levels of yoga practice let's say that someone is really out of shape they just haven't exercised in forever and and they're just getting back into their body and trying to, you know, make some health conscious choices. They're not going to want to go to a power vinyasa flow class and where everybody's, you know, sweating their butts off because they're they're not going to benefit from that. They need to start with a gentle restorative practice where they can stretch and ease back into an experience of their body. Um I make that parallel to say that the same is true with meditation. If someone has never meditated or they really struggle with it, I think guided meditation can be a helpful place to begin because uh, by having someone kind of lead you through a visualization, let's say, it's helping you learn how to direct your mind into a single point of attention. And then um, I would sort of agree with you that over time we don't want to rely upon that crutch because ultimately true meditation is the ability to direct our minds without external stimuli 
um, and move inward, take the senses and turn them off. So we don't want to be listening to anything or seeing anything on the outside because we're trying to turn our awareness inward to what is within our own consciousness that is not connected to the external reality. Um, so a guided meditation would prevent us from that ultimate practice over time. Okay. I hope that helps. Yeah, for sure. That clears things up. So I guess what you're saying is maybe to get into meditation, a guided, a guided form would help, um, would help you learn how to meditate and maybe you can slowly progress into moving away from it. Yeah, I would say that that's true. Okay. Well, you mentioned yoga therapy. We talked about different types of yoga in your book here in, in this in this interview that's wrapping up quickly. Yoga therapy, more specifically, can you tell us what that is? Sure. Um, it's basically the application of all the yoga philosophies and practices to whatever somebody has going on on an individual basis. So it's different than walking into a yoga class where a teacher is going to have a set of movements and maybe a meditation or something that they're going to share. And it's not necessarily going to be exactly right for each person in that room. I'm sure everybody will benefit in some way, but yoga therapy is typically done on a one-to-one basis. Um, and at least that's how I practice it. And, um, it's really looking very specifically at what the individual has going on, just as uh, any therapist would, um, a massage therapist, a psychotherapist, anyone who is dealing with an individual and who is having a challenge of some kind. And yoga therapy can really be beneficial for all levels of our self. So it can address physical challenges that someone may have been going on. It can address emotional imbalances or stress, grief, depression, things like that, that somebody may be struggling with. Um, it can also address that spiritual end of the spectrum when people start to question, who am I? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of life? Kind of these bigger questions of being, being here. So, so, so in, there's a lot of different areas that yoga therapy covers. And then the action of yoga therapy, is there a number of different ways to achieve? Well, again, depending on what somebody's coming in with, a, a session for me might look really different from one person to the next. One person, I might be doing more of a physical practice with them and helping them to kind of get grounded in their bodies if that's the area that is imbalanced. Um, for someone else, it might be more dialogue heavy or more uh, focused on breath Um breath movement and that self inquiry where they're moving into those internal states and connecting more with their, their soul self. So each session is going to look really different, but I'm always taking into account the, the holistic picture of the person. And I try never to neglect any part of, of that. So addressing mind, body and spirit. So these these are some of the things that you do, like you can walk your clients through, they can work with you one-on-one. Tell us about more how our listeners could can work with you or find out maybe some more details about what you do and how you do it. Sure. Um, well, all, all of the resources that I offer are on my website and it's my name, Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Lee, L-E-E, yoga, therapy.com. So Jenny Lee yoga therapy.com. And, um, I do offer the one-to-one sessions. I can do those on the phone or on Skype 
or in person if you want to come to Hawaii. Um, yes, please. And, <laughs> yes, please. <I> know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it's easily also done on the phone or Skype. So I, I have clients all over the world. And um, I have a couple of online courses. If you're not quite ready to jump into a personal session, there's some, I have a great yoga therapy course on Daily Ohm. Um, you can find it on my website um, called Heal Yourself with Yoga. Um, I have my books, which also give many exercises that are easy for people to implement in their lives. Uh, in every chapter has many exercises attached to that. And then, um, I offer retreats once a year. So the next one coming up is sold out, but I'm about to put a new one on. I'm not ready to reveal that one quite yet, but pretty much everything I do is on the website and I would love to hear from people. If you have questions, please send me an email. I'm, I'm very accessible and love to communicate with people. So, and then if people are interested in your book or more details about breathing, love, meditation and action, is that more details on your website or where, where can I go to find it? It is available at all major retailers, Barnes and Noble, um, borders, uh, Amazon. It's, uh, on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. So easy to order wherever you are. Perfect. All right, Jenny, thank you so much for your time and information, expertise, everything. Uh, it was a pleasure. I so much appreciate you coming on and sharing your time with us. Thank you so much, Drew. Have a fantastic day. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sticking around till the end. All past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com. We also have a free app that you can download on any Apple device. More details about our monthly membership where we do recipes, grocery shopping lists, at-home workout routines, and more. For the first month, we're out offering exclusively Exploring Mind and Body listeners. It's only $1. If you want to come in and check it out, see what we have going on. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddy, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.